You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again here on the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. And everyone will know when we play that music, that means that we're going to be joined by our favorite guest up in Canada, Dr. Scott Stevens, Director of Regional Operations for the Prairies and Boreal. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Always good to join you, Mike, and the podcast listeners, and it's, I'm, I'm glad that you identified me as the favorite guest this time. I'm glad we've established that. I said favorite guest from up in Canada. Let's, you know, just kind of make sure we compartmentalize that. Oh, I, I, I took that, that as favorite guest overall. I don't know. The, the, the listeners will have to judge what the intent was. Uh, okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. So provide <laughs> your feedback to us. We'll, we'll make a judgment on that. But yeah, it's great to have you back here. We're the latter part of January. By the time this episode airs, we actually may be on the last day of January or even early February. I'm not exactly sure when we're going to get this out. But bottom line is we're right at the end of the duck season here. And we're not calling you to talk about how many mallards are still wintering there in Manitoba in Winnipeg because it's been bitterly cold up there. <laughs> we're actually calling to go ahead and start looking forward uh, to the spring and summer and opportunities for breeding waterfowl. There's always something for waterfowl hunters to think about and look forward to. It doesn't take very long before we're looking forward to next year, and that's already kind of what we're talking about. Because as we as we discussed at length last year, everything that we see in the fall and winter really begins uh, spring and summer when we start talking about wetland conditions, when we start talking about the number of birds that are going to be going back north to try to occupy, hopefully, abundant wetland conditions. Last year and actually the year before that, were, were last year was actually incredibly dry. The year before that was really dry in Canada, had some moisture in North Dakota. But, you know, this is the, the, the point is that here we are, end of January, early February, and already looking forward to kind of what the, what ducks might encounter whenever they get back north. Hopefully, it's going to be a little improvement from last year. We're going to get into that a little bit later on here. But first, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give us a, a recap of kind of how December played out for y'all there in, uh, in Canada. And I say that because in the, at least the Eastern portion of the U S December was pretty miserable from a waterfowl hunter standpoint. It was warm, unseasonably warm. I think I was running around here with short sleeves on and maybe even shorts on Christmas day. I hunted very little in December just because I didn't want to be out there in those kind of warm, stale conditions. Uh, but what was December like for y'all? Yeah, no, I can appreciate that, Mike. I actually made it back to Southwest Iowa to visit family, and on Christmas Day, it was 55 degrees Fahrenheit there, so it was pretty warm there. Here at home in Canada, it was cold. <laughs> it was plenty cold. 
Um, you know, December, we had quite a few days where we were, you know, lows could have been 20 below zero. That's continued through January, but we have gotten some snow. You know, we've continued to accumulate some snow through December and January. Um, it's not enough that that I'm ready to tell you the drought will be broken when it runs off and everything will be good. You know, we've got some snow. I know we talked about soil moisture wasn't great going into the fall. So, you know, at freeze up, we didn't have a lot of soil moisture. So we, you know, for, for things to really change, we'll need more snow and we'll need the right kind of conditions to happen at runoff for that water to actually translate into wetland basins and, and improve things. As we've talked about a number of times, there are multiple moving parts within any within any aspect of, of waterfowl populations and waterfowl hunting. There's there is never just one variable that is overall controlling things. Even prairie wetland conditions fall into that category where we can look at a landscape that may have an abundance of snowfall on it in late January and early February, as you just kind of alluded to, if there's not a good frost seal from the preceding fall. And maybe if things, if the thaw in the spring is really slow, then we don't we don't really gain from a lot of that snow that we would have seen in January and February. So there are a lot of interacting factors here. And so I guess we, we kind of have one thing working against us from a, the prairie landscape perspective, at least in Canada. Uh, things may be a little different in parts of, of the Dakotas, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, but at least there in Prairie Canada, not a great frost seal. Even if we do get a lot of snow, we got a good start, it sounds like, but we're going to need some more. What's the next thing that we're going to need to need to look for? What's the rate of thaw that we would really want to see in order to to you know do the best at filling those wetlands? Yeah, well, I, I think the perfect conditions for runoff would be if we set up where we stay cold through you know kind of the end of March into early April, and then things warm up all at once. And if things start to melt all at once, and all that moisture in the snow kind of moves and starts running all at once. That's the ideal conditions. You know, if we start to warm up in February and, you know, we lose some of the snow, that that just provides more opportunity for that to kind of soak in and be, you know, it, it will improve soil moisture, but not much of it will will actually flow across the landscape. So, you know, the longer we stay cold and then if we get kind of a, a big warm up all at once, that's probably the best conditions uh, that we can get, you know. And last year did not set up like that. You know, we didn't have much snow and we did warm up kind of gradually and it wasn't in late March or early April. April, it was in February, um, you know, and then there's just opportunity for, for some of that snow to, you know, to, to be, to, to evaporate and, and, you know, not turn into water in wetlands, which is what all of us duck folks would like to see. And then what about like the blowing snow? If we get real strong winds, is that good? Is that bad? Does that kind of concentrate some of the snow into the wetlands? And what about different types of snow? I've had some emails here lately with, and you and I've talked about not all snow is equal and sometimes wind can change things. That's right. What, what other factors kind of play into the, uh, what we ultimately see? Well, in, in this landscape, wind definitely plays a factor, and, and we've had that, where we've got snow, and then once the snow stops, we get strong winds, and that, 
you know, that will really move the snow around. It will, it will let it drift. And when that happens, lots of the snow does end up in the low spots, especially if we have vegetation like cattails and, you know, the typical emergent vegetation in the wetlands. Um, you know, some of the things that happen on the landscape is uh, some producers will burn their wetlands in the fall. That, that makes it harder to accumulate that snow in the wetlands. Um, you know, and, and that's why they do it because they, they don't want those wet spots out there. But yeah, so we've had, we've had the wind. So we probably do have quite a bit of snow deposited in the wetlands, but yeah, like you said, snow can be different. Um, like, like the last dose that we got here, um, when I went out on the driveway, if, if you stuck a ruler into it, it probably measured a couple inches deep. But it was so light and fluffy that I could have moved all that snow off of my driveway with a leaf blower if I had chosen to, to have done it that way. It was almost no moisture in it, you know, mostly air. You know, that's compared to, I, I know we talked about the, the first dose of snow we got was very wet. And uh, like it, it started as rain and turned to snow. And so we had a slushy layer. We do have a slushy layer at the bottom of kind of the base of the snow. That's that's turns into much more water equivalent or sometimes we we provide maps that are snow water equivalent you know that's that's if you melted that much snow how much water would it turn into so those those things definitely play a role too and this is the time of year where we start to with Index Unlimited and actually even on on social media now I'm seeing people start to circulate some of those maps the soil uh, snow water equivalent maps showing where we are and you know if you were to compare this year to last year we're probably in a better place this year with regard to the maps as they currently stand but because of the things that we've already talked about here we can't draw any conclusions on what that's going to mean for wetland conditions other than we do know, given the, the extreme nature of the drought last year, we're still going to need more snow in order to uh, declare any type of recovery from the drought. We have a long way to go. And, and I think that's going to be a common theme. I know it's going to be a common theme out west. I talking, was talking with Virginia Getz uh, just the other day, and she says the same thing. They received a lot of beneficial rain over uh, during the winter, but they're going to need a lot more in order to improve conditions for breeding waterfowl as we start to go forward. So a lot of the drought discussion that we talked about that we had last year, I think is going to stay with us here at least for a few more months. Hopefully we can get things turned around, but it's going to take some time. Um, I guess one bright spot, Scott, I don't know if you have any insight on this, would be southeastern North Dakota and maybe north northeastern South Dakota, if I get those directions and states correct there is a spot up there in in sort of portions of north and south dakota where based on some of the drought maps they've they're no longer in a drought they've had enough rain to turn things around there at least based on what the maps are showing you have any insight on that and how conditions may be shaping up uh, south of the border yeah well i guess i drove through that country when we came back from christmas after visiting family and there was definitely snow there so you know that that will probably help out and, and maybe that's what it's based on um, because I'm pretty sure they probably haven't had any liquid water in a few months like we have up here. Yeah, I think they might have got some rain there in the fall and it's so partly that but then also maybe the some of the snow that has fallen since then. So a combination of factors I think are helping in a in a pretty small location. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. I, I know, you know, we were talking about 
the snowpack maps. When I look at those maps now across Prairie Canada, the trend that I see is a pretty common one where, you know, kind of in the northern northern tier of what we would call the Prairie Pothole region is kind of the parkland area that has more of the aspen trees scattered about. That tends to be wetter. And we see a little more snowpack in there. When you move down further south into the true prairie areas that would just be grassland and and the aspen trees are not present there, um, it's still dry there. Uh, despite the fact that we do have some snow on the ground, it's, it's not much different than it was last year. We see a little bit better in the parklands and yeah, it, you know, one of the, th- one of the conversations that, that I'm having right now is with our staff, we're planning for, you know, if, if it's dry again, what sort of drought response are we going to provide, you know, relative to access to our properties for local ag producers to, you know, cut hay or graze because, because that, forage that keeps them in business and keeps them continuing to provide waterfowl habitat in the grasslands and the wetlands is something that's in short supply. So we're having conversations about that already. You know, what kind of conditions will trigger us to, to release access to some of our areas? Scott, that's, that's a, a useful transition. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Here, as we start to talk about the, the waterfowl themselves as they travel back north here they'll be moving back north here pretty pretty soon before you know it it's been an unusually i would say unusually i don't know uh factually exactly where this one ranks but it certainly feels like this has been a a a january here in the mid-continent where it's been colder than normal we've had a few times we've had a number of cold fronts that have come through and kept the kept the temperatures depressed for quite a length of time. It's actually been really nice if you like cold weather and if you're a duck hunter. And so it was pretty easy as a duck hunter to get excited about the cold temperatures that we were seeing. We did have a few periods where we bumped back up into the 50s. You get a southerly flow and uh, maybe that moves some birds around. But uh, we were a bit light on precipitation and uh, still across much of the uh, much of this area. I think a lot of the states uh, shared that that sentiment. There were some local um, local rain events that helped out things. But but overall, that you know, the dominant theme has been that it's was a cold January any hunter that was out there probably saw fewer birds than what they might expect, kind of given that, or what they might have hoped to, let me put it like that, given that cold temperature. And I know this is something we're going to be talking about on our a few subsequent episodes. And the one thing that I've told people, I'm, I've, I experienced all that myself, all the places I hunted, I just didn't see very many birds. But if you look at all of the surveys, the midwinter surveys from the states down here, they showed big increases in in duck numbers from December to January. Then that doesn't mean that it was a large number of ducks overall. It just means that there were pretty noticeable increases from December to January, and that tells me 
ducks moved in response to those January temperatures, but there just weren't very many around. And all of that is consistent with what you were talking about throughout last summer, through what we talked about with so many other people, that there just wasn't a lot of production. You saw it in your hunting in the fall up there. Uh, our chief scientist, Steve Adair, uh, saw it in his hunting. I think he said this is one of the first years where he's actually been skunked on a couple of hunts. Maybe Mike Zemanski, if I'm remembering correctly, said the same thing. So there just weren't a whole lot of ducks to begin with. But when you're a southern hunter or a duck hunter in general and you're operating under a liberal uh, harvest framework, you expect to see a lot of ducks. You know, you know how that is. You've been down here, and uh, but it was but it was just different. And so. I mean, it, it seems like it's a pretty simple answer, but just kind of talk about it from the standpoint of what it means with regard to ducks coming back north. Is there any silver lining in that, that, you know, the, the ducks that do make it back are going to be extraordinarily or unusually experienced? Do we know anything about that? Just kind of talk about it from the standpoint of, of, of the, the birds that we think we're going to have going back north. Yeah, well, I, I guess it's, you know, this is kind of seeing the glasses half full is, you're right. Most of the breeding population that will arrive back will be adult birds, you know, because we just didn't have many young birds in the fall flight coming south uh, at the end of the summer and early fall. So we, we do know from the science that that adult birds are have more experience and generally more successful. You know, the, the counter to that is, you know, right now, if if you know, if this were early April, we'd be saying, yeah, conditions aren't great. So, you know, they're going to come back to sort of not super favorable environmental conditions, not great wetland conditions, but that could change before we get to that April time period when mallards and pintails are showing up. But yeah, I think that's accurate to say most of the population returning will be adult birds. And in general, we know adult birds are more successful than young birds. Um, so maybe that's the silver lining to, to the challenge. Well, you know, you have to look for silver linings if you're a duck hunter, if you're a waterfowl hunter, right? So <laughs> we, have to always, we have to always find some good in it. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. You know, I shouldn't have let that comment pass about the chief scientist there. I spend a little time hunting with Dr. Adair and, you know, so him getting skunked, part of that may not be on the fall flight. Part of that could be on him. We should just offer that as a hypothesis that's definitely viable. Well, we will have to see what he says in response to that. <laughs> Scott, let's see. I'm not sure how, how much else we want to talk about here. There's only so many things we can say about what we ha currently have with regard to uh, snowpack. We, we need more. We know that. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the birds and, you know, they're still down here right now. It's still cold. This is the last week of January it was in it's going to be in the teens I believe maybe in the morning or, or maybe even on Saturday actually here in uh, in North Mississippi you know so it's still cold there's there's not a whole lot of ducks anyway that are starting their northward migration that I'm aware of still some ways to go there but uh, what else anything else we need to talk about here we'll be connecting back with you in the fall or I'm sorry in the spring but what else do we need to know yeah, I, I think maybe the other the other theme that we've had all along is as we talked about the drought that happened last year is, you know, our prediction was that, you know, there will be some birds, but as they come south, they will be rather uncooperative because they were adult birds. And it it sounds like 
based on your experience and and at least what you heard from others, that was generally true. You know, the survey said, yeah, there are some birds around. They just weren't very cooperative for, you know, harvesting as many as you might have liked to. Yeah, I've heard that in many different places from many different people. If people were listening to you, were listening to us last year as we talked about the drought and what it was going to mean for a fall flight, then I would hope that they would reflect on this hunting season and say, yeah, you know, that's pretty consistent. Maybe they wouldn't have expected a liberal framework, but that's an entirely different conversation. And I know people are right. are scratching their heads about some of that. But that's, you know, there's that, that's a conversation and legitimate uh, a discussion to have a, as well. And we've gone through a no, uh, quite a bit of that on past episodes and why it is the way it is and right. uh, what role harvest plays and overall population dynamics and, and so forth. And we'll continue to have those conversations. But, uh, yep, it, it's, this is definitely an interesting year, um, hopefully. Hopefully, we can get the population surveys and pond surveys conducted this year. I think every waterfowl hunter should be pulling for that, yeah. and every waterfowl manager should be pulling for that. That's sort of the next big box to be checked is, can we get that survey conducted in its entirety this year? And I know you don't have any insight on that, but that's going to be our state, uh, state or actually our federal partners probably more than anything else that are going to be that will will be the uh, the critical decision makers there on that that may be pop. Yeah, that's right. We we do partner with the Canadian Wildlife Service folks up here. We uh, we provide some funding and contract uh, some some contract staff who basically do the ground portions of the air ground survey for them. So you know we partner with them on that. That hasn't happened the past two years. But yeah, I, I can tell you, I have money in the budget to hire those people, and we're we're all hopeful that we get them hired and they're out there counting birds this spring. Absolutely. Well, Scott, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode. Appreciate you helping us sort of put a bookend on season five. We probably have a couple more episodes to go after this one releases, but reconnecting with you and hearing about a report from the prairies is always a is always an important part of closing out our season because, like I said. We're looking forward already to what the spring and summer is going to hold and what that will mean for what we see next fall and winter. Scott, thank you for joining us and look forward to catching up with you a little bit later on in the spring. Okay, that sounds great, Mike. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Scott Stevens, a Director of Regional Operations for the Prairies and Boreal with Ducks Unlimited Canada. We always appreciate his unique insights from Canada, especially this time of year and as we get into the spring. As always, we thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the terrific job he does with these episodes, getting them out to you. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time spending it with us here on the podcast. And we thank you for support of wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.